3: Alright, everybody, it is Tuesday, April 4th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space, as you can hear the show in its its entirety. Jeez, wait, it's shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Hack. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Hope everyone's having a great start to their week. And what a week it is UFC 287 going down this Saturday. Motion returns to Miami, Florida for the first time in a long time. We got the rematch for the middleweight title. Alex Pereira defending against Israel Adesanya. We got Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Mazadal, Adrian Yanez versus Rob Font, and so much more. This is a really good card. I am excited. Watch party going down this Saturday. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be fun, it's going to be festive. I already got my wardrobe ready for the proceedings. The shirt is absolute fire. It is Miami to the nines. And wait till you see the cold open for the watch party. It is absolutely outrageous. Can't wait for Saturday. Very excited. So join us for the UFC 287 watch party, 945 p.m. Eastern. This Saturday night, MMA Fighting YouTube channel. So we have a lot to talk about, my friends. We could talk about UFC 287 for sure when we take the calls. We had a very busy weekend in the world of combat sports. I know we didn't have a UFC event, but we had plenty of other events to keep our attention. We had Bellator 293 on Friday. It was actually a, a pretty good card. Daniel James gets the knockout in round three against Marcelo Goleman, the main event. and Gano Liam Accord did the damn thing. They went at it. Fun fight. Zingano wins. John Salter dominates Aaron Jeffrey and then retires from the sport. Archie Colgan remains undefeated against Justin Montalvo, knocks him out in the first round. Luke Trainer, what a night it was for him! Submits Sullivan Colley, big upset, and then he goes out and you know proposes and gets the yes. So pretty good moment for him. Raheem Cleveland. Gets the 10-figure gilly on Christian Edwards. Christian Edwards, man. This guy was touted as the next big thing at 205 and then at, at heavyweight, and he's just getting beat. Mike Hamill knocks out Nick Brown. It was a good card. Tons of finishes. We had freaking scarf holds. Sarah Collins against Pam Sorensen. Lots of finishes. Fun card. PFL card, not so much. Uh, tough hang. From those I spoke with that were actually watching the events, a lot of decisions, pacing issues continued to be a massive problem for the PFL. Uh, According to people I spoke with, I did not watch the events. I was watching and covering Game Bread Boxing 4. I had WrestleMania on the TV. Uh, WrestleMania was interesting and fun. Saturday was incredible. Uh, But Game Bread Boxing 4 went down on Saturday. Fight Circus, too. Fight Circus was just everything you could have possibly expected it to be after looking at the fight card. But uh, Game Bread Boxing 4 was pretty interesting. Kind of a weird card. Um, I liked it. It just seemed like, I don't know, it's just one of those cards that seemed like it just took a really, really long time. So I I think there's things that the Game Bread Boxing folks can improve upon. Uh, the fights are pretty interesting. I thought, uh, obviously the main event was Anthony Pettis defeating Roy Jones Jr., majority decision. Look, I'm not a big, huge boxing guy. I mean, I watch it when I can. But I thought, I mean, maybe I'm crazy. But I did the live blog for the last three fights. I thought Roy Jones Jr. won that fight. I thought it was pretty clear he won that fight. I actually scored the last six rounds for him. I thought Pettis won one and two because Roy didn't really do anything. But I thought Roy won the next six rounds. If you want to give Pettis round seven, I ain't going to be mad at you. But I thought Roy won. At the same token, Roy didn't do a whole hell of a lot throughout the fight. And Anthony was at least moving forward and trying to throw punches. But if you go back and watch it, Roy had that guard up. And... He, Pettis wasn't really landing anything. You know what I mean? He just wasn't really landing anything. Everything was just hitting the arms, hitting the mitts. And when Roy was hitting him, Roy was friggin' hitting him. So Roy's probably to blame for for not being more active, but Pettis gets a big win and good for him. Vitor Belfort beats Jacare, Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens fight to a draw. I thought Jose Aldo won that fight. It was close. I thought he won four rounds to two, but we want to score to draw and can be mad at you. The other MMA-related fights, Gina Mazzani and Pearl Gonzalez just beat the shit out of each other. That was fun as hell. Give them all the bonus money. Really enjoyed that fight. B-Win defeated Andy Win via unanimous decision. Kind of an unfortunate ending to the Marcus Perez-Joe Riggs fight. Joe had suffered an injury. was probably winning the fight heading into that moment, but Marcus Perez gets the win. He calls out Jake Paul. All in all... Not bad, not bad. There's there, there's worse things I could have done on a Saturday night than watch and cover that card, but it was it was fun, and I think I think we learned that doing massive arenas in Milwaukee on WrestleMania weekend and on Final Four weekend is probably not the way to go. Seems kind of empty. I actually had somebody send me a video on Twitter. Uh, it was actually a little more full than it looked on television. It'd be interesting to see how many pay-per-view buys this thing did on PPV.com and on linear pay-per-view and UFC Fight Pass. But I think 13 fights is way too much. I think having a, what, eight fight main card is too much, honestly. I think if we chop those numbers down a little bit, make it like eight, nine fights, make the main card like five fights, I think he got something here. I think he got something here. Sean Wheelock, Sean Porter, I thought did a pretty good job. Not bad. Not bad. Solid uh B minus for Game Bread Boxing 4. It's just a long event. And Mania was just off and running. And but I enjoyed it. But that was kind of just the start of it all because Sunday, getting ready for WrestleMania night two, and we get a report from CNBC that Endeavor is about to make a big move in the entertainment space. They are going to acquire the the majority stake of the WWE and form this sort of super entertainment juggernaut combining the UFC and the WWE as one publicly traded company. Now, normally when you see reports like that, you start scrambling, you start asking questions. But when you see that CNBC who, by the way, Universal is a major television partner of WWE. When you see that CNBC is reporting this, it's pretty much a done deal. There's no surprises. I don't think you're going to expect to wake up Monday morning and find out that it's bullshit. And then, of course, we wake up Monday morning and Endeavor confirms it. WWE confirms it. UFC confirms it. Dana White confirmed it. Everybody confirmed it. A massive coup from Endeavor. They didn't straight out buy WWE but they own 51% of WWE and this is very interesting and I have a ton of questions about it I don't know what this all means I, I saw a lot of people kind of reacting in different ways saw a lot of fun memes a lot of fun what ifs a lot of fun you know kind of joking around ideas of what this could all mean but This is just a massive deal. I mean, this is a massive deal that is going to be pretty damn good for everybody. Obviously, we got a little bit of a hiccup apparently on Monday. uh, I did watch Monday Night Raw last night. It was tough. It was tough to watch. Usually the Raw after WrestleMania is this huge event and everything goes great and there's surprises and all this stuff. And yeah, there were a couple of surprises, but I left feeling pretty empty about it. And then you see reports out that Vince McMahon was running the creative for the night and morale is at an all time low and all the momentum from WrestleMania just kind of got sucked out of the locker room because Vince McMahon was controlling the creative. And that's an issue. That's an issue moving forward for, for WWE has nothing to do with the UFC, but that's Kind of one of the big hiccups with all of this is, you know, the the amount of control Vince McMahon is going to be able to have. Now, as far as the UFC goes, this just puts them at another stratosphere. They are now going to be their own, with WWE publicly traded company. So things are going to change on a business end in in regards to what we know, what we don't know about finances and things of that nature. UFC is obviously part of the Endeavor portfolio, portfolio but we only. That's only a piece of it. But now that it's going to be its own thing with WWE, maybe we'll get to learn more about the business structure of the UFC. And I got to say, and we'll get to calls in a minute. The first thing I thought of when this deal was coming through and I was watching all the interviews with Ari Emanuel and that mustache wearing Vince McMahon. Can we talk about the mustache, by the way? Golly, he looks like he's up to no good. He looks like he's about to thwart some sort of cartoon dog and cat in the midst of an adventure i'm just waiting for his pinky to go up to the corner of his lip because he has that mustache he just needs to twirl that thing around he just looks it's hilarious absolutely hilarious but besides the point the first thing i thought of was and we've talked about this on the show all the time because we get we get questions about fighter pay and and all that stuff and A lot of people just want to shit on the UFC about fighter pay. And look, if you feel that way, that's fine. But I've always been of the stance that what do you, what do you expect the UFC to really do when they're not being challenged by the fighters? Like if the fighters are happy and okay with everything, what's the sense of the UFC to be like, Oh, you know what? Let's just pay these people way more money because they don't care. So we'll care. And we'll just pay them a bunch more money. And we've talked about the opportunities that the fighters have had to come together and make a move. And we talked about the sale of the company in 2016 for $4.02 billion. We talked about the ESPN deal and how much money that's going to make. We talked about all the different sponsorship deals and the fighters just haven't come together to make a move. Now you got another chance. Now you have another chance because this isn't a $4 billion company anymore this thing was valued at over $12 billion and now combined with this new WWE deal, this company is worth, this new publicly traded company is worth over $20 billion. $20 billion. If you're going to make a move, you got to do it now or else nothing's going to change. I just, I don't think you're going to get another shot at it, at least not for a long time. Maybe when the TV rights deals come up in a couple of years and I, who they have a great relationship with the SBN. I'd be stunned if they went somewhere different, unless they want to just combine the entities as one, but WWE's deal is going to come up first for TV rights. UFC's comes up, I think a year or two later. So if you're going to make a play and try to make things better for yourselves, now's the time to do it. You got something. It's massive news, publicly traded company, $21 billion. Now's the time. Now's the time. If you want to come together, you want to make some change, you want a seat at that table, now is the time to make that move. And if it doesn't happen, we can't keep complaining about fighter pay. We can talk about it. Everybody deserves more. We all understand that. But this is an opportunity for the fighters to come together. This is it. You got another chance. What are they going to do with it? What are they going to do with it? That was like the first thing I thought of. Was you have a company that when it sold in 2016 was worth four plus billion dollars. Now it's worth five times that combined with WWE. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do? I have many questions. I'm sorry. You have many questions. This is still kind of like the preliminary stages of what this all means, and I'm sure as the weeks and months go by, we will learn more. But I know my best friend had some things he wanted to say about this, so let us welcome in oh, hello, my best friend, AK. Good morning. Hello, Mike. Am I on? AK, you are on. You're on, AK. You are on. Oh, my God. I can't hear you. Oh, damn. AK, try again. Try again. We'll get you in. Uh, I heard you loud and clear. Tristan, oh, hello. Mike,
4: can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, um, in regards to um, Endeavor, WWE, and the UFC, um, you said this is the opportunity for them to do something as far as, I guess, possibly unionizing. It, but it's gonna have to come from the top fighters, right? You, you think it's it's got to it's got to be Conor, John Jones leading the charge of like, okay, we're gonna make the sacrifice for everybody. We care about everybody, so we we're gonna lead this charge as unionizing. Because without them, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna be able to do it to come together, even if they have this opportunity. So I guess it has to start with them. Um, second, um, going to the UFC two eighty seven card. We want to talk a little bit about this matchup with uh. Michelle waterson Gomez uh, versus uh, Lu- uh, Luana P- Pinero. um we just know what uh, what what you're feeling on um waterson Gomez where she's at she just uh, signed the new eight-fight deal um, and she's she's beaten she's beaten, she's had some tough competition I was just looking at her record uh the people that she's fought and she's fought a murderous role of uh, fighters here. The fight against Amanda Lemos, you know, I think that fight, she just made a mistake and just got caught um, because I I rewatched that fight and she was able to uh, get Lemos onto the ground, onto the mat, and um, was, you know, able to do some work. It's just she, she did it so late in the round, that first round. I think Panero's is kind of the same type of fighter. Obviously, she's nowhere near Lamos, but she's an upcoming prospect. Saw that fight against uh, uh, Sam Hughes. So, um, what do you think about that fight where Lame, uh, where um, is? Um, do you like her in this fight? I think I think it's a good match for her. I think she could win it, but Panero is also good too, especially with her judo throws. So, I think Waterson's gonna have to be careful here, but I think she could probably get the decision win. Um, just your thoughts on that. Um, The other thing, too, there's opening prelims cards. There's Jacqueline Amorium coming from the LFA. She she was the, uh, I guess, the showweight title. What's your thoughts for her as being an upcoming prospect? I mean, this is – I mean, we're going to hold – as far as I'm going to hold judgment on her as she fights um, Sam Hughes, who's really more experienced. But watching her fight in the LFA – I mean, she looked, she looked like she was Aaron Blanchard in there uh, coming out of ATT. She's very strategic on what she has to do. She doesn't waste any time. Hasn't gone past the first round, which is concerning. So what's your thoughts on her making her uh, UFC debut? Um, from the broadcast, when I was watching her fight on the LFA, she turned down the Dana White Contender Series because um, she felt being in the LFA would be better competition. So what's your thoughts on that, on, that, on those uh, things I have to say? Thanks, Mike.
3: Thanks, man. So as far as the Endeavor thing, does it have to come from the top? Sure. Uh, you don't need everybody, though. You don't need everybody. You don't need Connor and John and Adesanya and all. You just need, like, one or two of those fighters. You get one or two of those fighters and then, like, everybody from the mid-tier down below. And then I think you could can, can do something here. But we have to remember... The UFC isn't putting on 15 cards a year. They're putting on like 44 cards a year. So you got to fill those cards with somebody. And I know they could just be like, well, we'll just go outside and pick up fighters because people just will watch anything. And there's, there's some truth to that. But I don't know. I, look, here's, here's what I'm saying. I ain't starting a revolution here because it ain't going to happen. All right? What I'm saying, this opportunity – They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. We're going to be in the same position. But they have a chance to do it now. They got an opportunity. If something's going to happen, now is the time. Otherwise, that door is going to close for a while. Maybe the TV rights deal. They'll get a floppity jillion dollars for it. Maybe that opens things up a little bit more. But, I mean, these these are the moments... These are the moments where if you want to incite some sort of change, these are the moments you could do it. As far as Watterson goes, look, it's a tough fight. Pinera's good. Pinera's the favorite. But Watterson is good. Like, she's a good, solid gatekeeper for this division. She could beat a lot of girls. She could beat a lot of women in this division. She's not going to be fighting for world titles. She's probably never going to be a top-five fighter again. There's nothing wrong with that. But she is a professional. You know with Michelle Watterson, she's going to show up. She's going to promote the fight. She's going to talk about it. She's going to get people to care. She's going to do fun, nice, positive media about it to put the company over. And then she's going to go in there and put on fun fights. Like, you got to have people like that on the roster. So win or lose, I don't think this fight does a lot for her in the aftermath, but it'll be a fun scrap. It'll be a fun scrap. Fun scrap. Jacqueline Amarim is, is a monster. She's, she is a little green. I did like her mentality not going on the Contender Series because she's right. She's going to get better competition in better spots fighting for LFA than she would on the Contender Series because she's very wise to what would happen on the Contender Series. Jacqueline's a very marketable fighter, and they would give her somewhat of a squash match on the Contender Series, and she's not going to learn a lot from those. So she had tough fights in LFA. Sam's a good fighter. That's This is a good test for her right out the gate. Now, could Jacqueline just go in there and just run Sam over and win in the first round? Sure, it's possible. But Sam's very tough to get out of there. So like you mentioned, testing her and trying to get her out of that first round and extending her a little bit, having to work, it's a good good little witness test for for her coming into the UFC. So, yeah, I like the matchup a lot. Let's see if we can uh, – we have AK off set up here. Here we go. AK. I this.
5: I can hear you now, my best friend. I can hear you.
3: This How friend, are you? I'm
5: great. I'm great. You know, Mike, as I'm sure you saw, we had a request on the Twitter from a a, a, a loyal on-to-the-next-one listener asking that we talk about this this merger. So yes. I'm I was honor-bound, this. of course, to call into today's show. Because by this, by this Sunday, we do the show. One, we'll have a pay-per-view to be talking about. And uh, the news will be a little cold by then. I'm, I'm sure we can mention it and make some jokes about it, but it's not really it's not really gonna be a hot topic by by this Sunday, given how the you know news cycles work. Um, so I, I did a podcast. I did a show with our 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 our, our best friend, uh, David Martin. So people, please check that out on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. But I do want to talk about it with Mike. Uh, we've you've sort of touched upon it. Tristan's touched upon it, but like. You and I both know this union or whatever collective bargaining uh, team, squad, whatever it is, the fighters need to make it's 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 just not going to happen. I know I'm the prince of positivity. No, it's not. Listen, maybe I'm going for a reverse jinx here. I I, I hope whoever's out there, he, I hope someone out there hears this and is offended and goes, yeah, oh, you know what, you 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 idiot, you don't know anything. We're going to make this happen, and I hope they do, and I hope you and I look like the biggest, most wrong like jackasses on the planet. And then we have this beautiful, like fighter uh, community Uh, Again, I don't even want to necessarily want to say union. It doesn't have to be a union, but there has to be some sort of, uh, again, they need some sort of representation and they just, they just as a group and they just don't have that. Um, So putting that aside, Mike, let's put that pipe dream aside. What is the best case scenario for the fighters going forward uh, after this merger, after whatever, in a couple of years, when we figure out where these, um, where SmackDown and Raw and these UFC fight nights are going to land, uh, they're on a, you know, what streaming service they are going to end up on. What's the, what can fighters really get out of this? Uh, aside from, again, uh, higher fighter pay, which I don't know, if, you know, whatever that is, but um, that's what we want. Outside of that, what's the best, what's the best case scenario here? Let's have some positivity, Mike.
3: Uh, I don't have an Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, hopefully more money, more spotlight gives them more eyeballs to look at. Because you have to imagine that with a deal like this, WWE is going to put over UFC events. UFC is going to put over WWE events. They'll be sort of promoted on each other's shows. And that's huge. And that's why, like, I, I probably I don't know if it was on this show or on BTL while back. When Fedor was talking about his final fight, and, like, who he could match up against. I interviewed Jake Hager, who was, you know, he was an undefeated Bellator fighter, is an AEW, is in WWE for a long time, and he said, you know, I want to be that guy, and here's why. Like, he thinks he could beat him, which I don't, I, we all know that probably wouldn't happen, but at least, like, Hager would go on AEW and, like, talk about it. It would get more eyeballs to the Bellator product, and that, the, the WWE audience is gigantic, it's huge. SmackDown does like two and a half million people watching that show every Friday night. Raw does in the millions. Like that, those are massive numbers. And those are eyeballs that some of them watch MMA, but not all of them. But what better way to get the pro wrestling audience invested in the UFC than promoting shows on the wrestling show? Now I know you could counter with, well, They ran a bunch of power slap ads on AEW. This is different. Nobody gave a shit about power slap. Nobody continues to give a shit about power slap. This is different. UFC is a whole different beast. There's storylines. Former WWE wrestlers have have fought there. CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, and others. And it's just going to give more eyeballs upon them. More opportunities. There are certain... UFC fighters who could go over to WWE and do a little something, something and make a couple extra bucks. WWE makes movies and does all this stuff. So that's more opportunities for fighters to maybe get cast in films that are going to go probably straight to DVD if we're being honest. But you know, some of those movies actually do pretty well at the box office. So, I mean, it does give opportunities there and, but I don't know. Like I don't know what this means for, for either. And I don't know if like they're going to be able to collab in any way. I hope they do. It'd be cool to have it'd be cool to make the International Fight Week experience and the WrestleMania Week experience a little bit different. Like can you imagine like International Fight Week we just have like a cool like do a Smackdown in Vegas. Doesn't have to be at doesn't have to be at T-Mobile. But do SmackDown in Vegas like uh, during International Fight Week or, you know, do some like fun house show that's broadcast on Peacock or something like do something cool like that. And then WrestleMania week, you could have like a fight night kind of like a Thursday night or something like that'd be pretty cool. Or if you just want to slap AEW across the face, do it on a Wednesday night. Like, there's cool things we could do to kind of collab and and make things better. You could bring WWE wrestlers backstage, to do scrums. Like, there's all sorts of cool things we could do to collab. uh, To get different eyeballs on the product. So, like I said, I think this is going to be great for both companies. How? I don't really know. But, I mean, this is a win-win-win for everybody. Like, I know we talk about, like, the fighter pain. If fighters want to do something, like, now's the time. It's probably not going to happen. But if you're a fan of both of these companies, then I think you're going to get a lot out of this. I think you're going to get a lot out of this. And I do think there will be opportunities for fighters to make more money outside of fighting with this collab. With sponsorships and all this different stuff. I mean, mean, WWE brings in so much sponsorship money. It's ridiculous. I think there is a number that they sold like 20 plus million dollars worth of sponsorships for WrestleMania. Like, that's insane that is absolutely ridiculous. So, and I'm sure, and I'm sure the, the WWE machine can teach the UFC a few things about social media, about advertising, uh, about certain other things. So I'm I'm fascinated by this. This is going to be a really interesting story over the next several years. That's for sure. Let's go to CV, then we'll go to Abswalia, then we'll go to Mikey. CV, hello. Yo, Mike. Heckful, heck of a morning.
6: What's up? Um, yeah, uh, I just want to jump straight into the main card for uh, 287. Um, it's looking really solid. Um, so aside from the opening fight, um, not too familiar with uh, Christian Rodriguez, to be honest. Um, like, yeah, the remaining four fights, I have a feeling that like they could be potentially just um, back and forth uh, stand-up battles. Well, maybe for, uh, like, the next two, uh, Kevin Holland and uh, Font versus Giannis, which I want to talk about. Um, Yeah, I think this fight's going to be amazing, man. Um, I'm a Giannis fan, um, so it's kind of fitting. We got mini Masvidal and the actual Masvidal on the main card, and we all know uh, Rob Font can throw hands, too. So I kind of want to talk about, like, what are the stakes for this fight? Like, um, I think you guys previously mentioned that if Giannis wins... They're gonna like, um, you know, strap him, strap him to the rocket ship, and you know, you know, he might get like a top five guy next. But mainly for Rob Font, because I know like he hasn't fought in a year, and I feel like this is a big, uh, big must-win fight for him because uh, he's trying to um, stay uh, his stay with his rank on the rankings, and you know, trying kind to of fend away all the killers coming up in bantamweight. weight. And I and I know you have like some insight from his team, so. Yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on this fight.
3: I love this fight. Uh, I love this fight. It's a great one. Right now, I'm looking at the lines. Um, Let's see what DraftKings says about this fight. They have Adrian Yanez minus 180 to come back on Rafa 155. I'm a little surprised by that. I understand Giannis has a lot of buzz right now. I understand Font's coming off a couple of losses, but that just seems like a very wide line. Um, I like Adrian Giannis a lot. I think they have something with him. He's a he's an excellent fighter. I did talk to him. Uh, so you'll have you'll you'll get his thoughts on the fight sometime this week. But I mean, we have to look at the level of competition that Adrian Giannis has fought. We have to be honest with ourselves. Victor Rodriguez, Gustavo Lopez, Randy Costa, all three of those guys, I believe, are out of the UFC. Davey Grant, that was a good test. And then Tony Kelly, who I believe is also no longer in the UFC. I could be wrong, but I don't think he, I don't know. I don't remember. But then we look at Rob Font. Look at Rob Font. Let's just go from 2016. May 2016. John Lineker, Matt Schnell, Douglas Silva de Andrade, Pedro Munoz, Thomas Almeida, Rafael Asuncao, Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone, Marlon Morais, Cody Garbrandt, Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera. That is ridiculous. I mean, the discrepancy between opponents is, I mean, it's night and day. It's not even close. So, and Font has been competitive with pretty much all of those guys. Like, he was competitive with Aldo. He got knocked down. He was competitive with Vera. Got knocked down. That's my biggest, my biggest concern is we know Rob Font can take a punch and keep on going. But, I mean, just him getting dropped in these fights, like, that's what's killing him. I wonder if Font's going to wrestle a little bit in this fight. I wonder if like I think they're going to stand there and scrap for sure, um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Rob Font shoot a couple takedowns in this one. Would not be surprised. But I love the fight. If I'm betting on this fight, i I think there's value on Rob Font at plus one fifty five. I feel like Yan like I feel like Yanis could probably be the favorite, but not. I don't think I don't think this wide. I just think the level of competition. It's not like Font's getting the doors blown off of him in these fights. He's just he's out voluming guys, and then he's getting caught with big shots. But I mean, at this point, you have to learn from that. It's happened two fights in a row. You have to learn from that. You have to, sorry, AK. You got to mix the martial arts a little bit more. And they have the the cartel guys have a very meticulous game plan when it comes to to certain things. So I expected. Sort of a different showing from Rob. He's going to mix things up a little bit. Like I said, I would not be surprised if we see some wrestling from him. Not a ton, but I love that fight. Giannis wins. He's getting a big one. It's Piotr, Gian, or above. And if Font wins, I mean, friggin' Font versus Piotr, Gian, yeah, would be fun as hell too. But maybe they do Jana's Cheeto. I don't know. There's lots of, lots of things we could do with this. For, for either guy. But this, that fight's
7: incredible. Very much looking forward to that one. Aswalia, hello. Hi, so I've just got two things to discuss. Um, the first thing is um, regarding the Kevin Holland and Santiago fight. How do you see that um, playing out? And um, Obviously with Kevin Holland, there's more upside for him. Would it be possible a win over Santiago could guarantee him a ranked opponent again like Vicente Luque or uh, Chiesa? And my other thing I want to mention about is, uh, as we know, uh, Triple C and algermain they have a quest to obtain the 145 belt. Um, do you reckon the UFC will really be interested in actually pairing um, either winner uh, against Alexander Volkanovski in the future? Let me know your thoughts on that.
3: Mm-hmm. I'll start with the Holland fight. I think Holland's going to win. I, I, is just not the same guy. Like he can, but he's still good. He's still very serviceable 170, but I, I just think Holland is just is so, is just so much of a better athlete than him. Uh, way more t- tools of the trade, so to speak. Now Ponzinibbio can win. If Ponzinibbio wants to take Kevin Holland down and, and just sit on him and, and win that kind of fight, that's a possibility. If he wants to be an offensive wrestler, he has a chance to win this fight. I just don't think he's going to do that. So, yeah, I think Kevin's going to win. I think it's going to be fun. But I think Kevin probably... Kevin probably get him out of there at some point. But it's going to be fun while it lasts. And as far as the 45 stuff goes, I don't know, man. Like, I would say if Al- if Alja beats Hudo, maybe they'll do that. I don't know. It all depends on what goes down. Like, if Max Holloway beats Arnold Allen... That, yeah, you could do that. Like, you go right to that if you wanted to. I know Ilya Tapori is fighting Josh Emmett, but Volk wants to be like super duper active this year. So it all kind of depends on how those fights play out. But I, I think they're going to, I think it's going to take a moment to get either of those guys up there because both those guys kind of drop. Both, both those guys kind of fumbled the bag when it came to the Sean O'Malley stuff. Like, Sahuto should have jumped on that train. A lot more after UFC two seventy six in July. They had a moment backstage. They were getting after it. O'Malley had some things to say about him, and vice versa. And then it just stopped. So that'd been a great fight for Suhudo to come back to. Big opportunity for O'Malley. And then with Aljo, I've talked about this a million times. After UFC two eighty, he should have went all in on the Sean O'Malley train, get that bag, and then go up to forty five. But now he's got to fight Suhudo. And if he wins, he'd be crazy to not fight Sean O'Malley. He'd be insane. So TBD, but Alger's going to win. Whoever, whatever happens, whoever wins that fight, they're going to fight Sean O'Malley. And if they win that, they're out of here. They're not fighting at 135 anymore. Henry Cejudo is not fighting. Is not going to defend that title again. He's going up to, he's going to sit out and say, I ain't fighting anybody else besides Ale- Alexander Volkanovski. It's triple C or I'm not fighting. We all know that's going to happen. And then Aljo, at that point, if he beats O'Malley, like what else is there to do for him at 135? You beat the former longtime champ, you beat the former champion, you got, you beat the biggest star in the division. There's nothing left for him at 135. But we'll see what 45 looks like because Tapori is coming. If Loyev's coming, and then by then, if Nate Landwehr beats Danny Gay and has a great performance there, that's another guy who's coming. The UFC seems to be behind him. It's tough to answer because things change so rapidly and so quickly in this sport. So, But I don't know. It's tough to answer right now because I do think that either of those guys are going to fight O'Malley next
7: because they should. Mikey, Hello. Hey, heck of a morning to you, Mikey. How's everybody doing? Um, For the UFC merger thing, I just want to say, get this off the bat. If they're going to try to collectively bargain, they need to collectively bargain with with the WWE stars, too, because they're independent contractors, too, and they don't have a union. So that will be an interesting thing. Two, um, it took five minutes for me to get super annoyed by everybody's takes about this merger because there's so many projections that people are just, it's one of those things where you're just like, really guys? No. Like, everyone's like, oh no, does this mean UFC's gonna be storyline-driven, like WWE now? Or are there gonna be, like, crossover fights? I'm like, first of all, most, if there's ever any crossover fights, it will mostly be as as you mentioned, with the MMA fighters are already in WWE, like Bro- John Jones, Brock Lesnar would be fun, <laughs> but that would actually be completely independent of either or, you know, like, the only thing that WWE would have anything to do with that is promoting a potential fight on their air and giving Brock Lesnar or Matt Riddle or whoever permission to fight the UFC. That would really be it. The, pretending that Vince McMahon's suddenly going to tell Dana what to do is ridiculous, even though he's boss, because they're a conglomerate that sells on Wall Street. Primarily, the merger on the surface right now is just a Wall Street thing where you're just like, okay, everyone can publicly trade and you know invest in the company called TKO or whatever it's going to be called. And yeah, I think that will mostly be it. Everyone, you know, trying to do MMA Twitter, going doom and gloom, and thinking, "Oh, does that mean everything's gonna be fixed?" I'm like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, please stop!" <laughs> you know. So obviously, we'll be talking about this further along. Um, just want to touch right quick on last on this past Bellator card, Cats um, and going Leo McCourt should have been the main event. It, they, I don't care how well the there was a finish in, in the heavyweight fight that Liam, that was supposed to be for a title shot, and you gave it three rounds um and uh yeah uh, shout out to charles energy johnson i just saw him pop into the space so um that'll be all for me today guys be kind of another happy birthday AK. well
3: here's what's interesting people talk about this all the time people at this point like i know there's newer fans that that missed kind of the early stages of the ufc but at the same token the ufc's playbook is exactly the same as wwe's and I'm not saying it's because they have to. They look. They do craft storylines in their own ways. They just do it differently. Look at what. Look at the main event on Saturday. Look at the main event on Saturday. That is a long, drawn out storyline that the UFC put together. It's not fake. It's not a work. It's still a shoot, but it's a storyline. It's a storyline that the UFC built upon, and they built up Alex Pereira in a strategic way to pay this off and they did. And now guess what? They're going to pay it off again this Saturday. And if Adesanya wins, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do it again. The roots of the UFC and how they build fights and how they promote fights and how they put their packages together, the, the video packages together in order to sell those, is right out of the WWE playbook. It's been that way forever. It's been that way forever. And it's not saying that the UFC is is a work. It's certainly not. But the storylines, things that are driven, how they promote things is very similar. It's almost exactly the same in that way. So there are storylines. It's just different. It's just different. One of the things I was thinking about with this merger is getting talent. And I'm not just saying like for... And look, we're not going to have like a UFC Royal Rumble, although it'd be fun as hell to watch. We're not going to get that. What I'm saying is maybe, let's just say, look, if, if you are into the pro wrestling world, you are well aware of what is going on over in AEW land, where it is just a sloppy mess of management, and you have a bunch of unhappy talent, and the biggest star in your promotion is not wrestling for your company right now because he got into a fight, with the executive vice president slash wrestlers of the company. His name is CM Punk. And eventually this whole thing is going to be paid off. One of two things is going to happen. CM Punk is going to come back to AEW and they're going to do this incredible thing with the young bucks and all that. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be one of the greatest works ever. I don't think that's going to happen. At some point, Tony is just going to have to cut bait. He's going to have to pay CM Punk a bunch of money and then CM Punk's going to be a free agent. Now, We totally understand what CM Punk's relationship is like currently with the WWE, with Vince McMahon, with Triple H in a lot of respects. But you know who he does have a good relationship with? Dana White. You know who he does have a good relationship with? The matchmakers, Hunter Campbell, guys like that. Maybe because they are now a a unionized or, or a conglomerate, Maybe they get everybody in a room together. Dana White can be the intermediary. Maybe they could squash this and CM Punk finds his way back into a WWE ring. There are ways around this. It's not just, you know, let's do a Royal Rumble. Let's have, you know, let's have Charles Energy Johnson fight Ode Osborne, hell in a cell. Like, we're not going to do that. But still, we have things we can do with relationship building to have one hand wash the other. And you scratch your back and I'll scratch, you know, that whole cliche. There's other things we could do here in terms of getting talent over from one to the other. So I'm just so fascinated by this entire thing. I really am. I really am. And the whole collective bargaining thing, look, like I said, it's probably not going to happen. But now you have fighters now work for a company that is going to be serving on wall street with a 21 billion dollar value because of this acquisition and this merger with wwe something to think about something to think about let's go to joe uh
8: two questions for you Uh, did you catch the opener of the bellator prelims um i was rooting for maria henderson especially after what happened with her husband But Mackenzie Stiller looked amazing, Uh, just blew right through her. Um, I don't know if she's like a known prospect, but I was really impressed by her. And then with the Endeavor deal, I think the most important question, what everyone's talking about on Twitter, uh, and what I want to know from you, is who do you think out of the current roster of UFC fighters would do best uh, with the crossover into WWE? Um, I know a lot of people were talking about Conor McGregor, but My personal opinion or personal vote is for uh, the pleasure man, Anton Tercal. I think (laughs) he, if if anyone remembers, he basically cut a promo uh, before his last fight. And I was like, oh, this guy, if things, if things don't pan out, if he like bats 500 on his UFC contract, he should make the jump. And uh, now is the time. But thanks, Mike. Have a good one.
3: I mean, you just answered your own question.
8: It is the pleasure man. Let's go.
3: Yeah, but I mean, look there. There is a there is a real world where Conor McGregor shows up at WrestleMania. Like, there's a very real world that happens. So, but the pleasure man. Holy moly! I think you have the. Re- I think that might be the correct answer. Four Quarter Sports. Hey Mike, you hear me. Yep. Um, so I was
9: thinking uh, with the new. Um, merger that they're having with one another, do you see there's a possibility of UFC fighters actually eventually going towards WWE? Because, I mean, you see a lot of wrestlers, they're fighting into their, I would say maybe like what, early to mid-40s and let's say if they get cut by the UFC, you think that could be like an option they could have in their contract now that they're both merged into the same, you know, umbrella and I was like listening to a couple different podcasts and I heard that Apple could possibly be maybe a player down the line when both these contracts um, do run final, um, like when they run up out of their contracts. You think, what's it called, like one of these big packages can, can sway like Amazon, Apple, and whatnot. And lastly, um, what what, do you, what is your opinion on the Raul Rosa's junior fight? Do you think it makes makes it to the, the final bell, or do you think Raul Rose Jr. gets Rodriguez
3: out inside um, the distance? All right, thanks. Mm, it's a good fight. Christian's tough, man. He's a tough fighter. I think Raul just puts on such a pace and puts on so much pressure, and he's so much stronger than he looks. And it just confuses people. They just see like an 18 year old kid, and they just underestimate how strong and how technical he is. He is a tornado of destruction there's no doubt about that and he just keeps moving and keeps moving but christian's tough christian's tough i think he'll he'll give him a a nice a a nice test i do think roses will win but again i mean at this level i just i just have i still have questions about him like i'm extremely high on him but i don't know it's just a, a a fun ride that that i'm intrigued about as far as the TV deal goes, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Like I said, WWE's up first. UFC, their TV deals up second. I don't know if they're going to be if WWE's going to be able to sign like a short-term agreement to be like, hey, we'll just stay where we are for the next two years and then we're going to reshop. I don't know if they could do that. So they might just have to kind of pull the trigger and. Make a move first before the UFC deal goes up. But look, the UFC is very happy with ESPN. They're very happy. And ESPN is very happy with the UFC. It's been a very profitable relationship for the UFC. And a very good business move. A very good one. So I don't know if they... I don't know if much is going to change. I don't know if they're going to be able to package them together. They might be able to at some point. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it this quickly. I'm sure they're going to try. But I just don't know... I don't know. I don't know if the UFC leaves ESPN. I just don't know if that's like a good business move, moving them to Apple and, and stuff like that. And and I kind of feel the same with WWE at this point. Kind of feel the same with WWE. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. And then your other question about, well, if they get cut, can they just go to WWE? I mean, it's it's not that simple. WWE. They have a certain eye for talent and what they want. And maybe WWE will be interested and maybe they won't. It's not going to be like that for everybody. But they're not just going to pull every UFC fighter and be like, look, kid, you gave it a shot here. Why don't you come to the Performance Center and try out? I don't think it's going to be quite like that. But they also have an eye for things, with, for personality, for athleticism, for people who can fall right into it. Like Matt Riddle fell right into it perfectly. And he's a, he's a well known commodity in WWE, but had many fights in the UFC. And I don't think we're going to see Matt Riddle fight again. Like him and Dana White just do not like each other at all. So, well, maybe. Maybe cooler heads will prevail. I don't know. But again, there's just so many questions about this whole thing and not a lot of answers. But fascinating times, my friends. Fascinating times. The Octagon Obsessed. Hello.
5: Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, great. It's the first time I've spoke on Twitter Spaces, so thank you. Uh, Also, thanks for what you do. I I really enjoy the show. So I have a few questions for you. Um, Are you going to watch the BKFC press conference today? Um, Anything with Mike Perry is always exciting. And what's your interest in that card um, at the end of this month? Also, um, who do you think wins um Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje sounds like that match is going to happen you know correct me if I'm wrong and then since it's not going to be a title fight do you think it's possible the UFC puts that on a fight night to make it a five-round fight um and then last if Israel Adesanya loses this weekend what happens for him next
3: uh thanks Mike yeah, the Izzy one we talked about um, on last week's show. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He put out some, some tweets that people have interpreted as something. I don't know. Maybe he goes to 205. Maybe he takes some time off and bulks up. Tries to go to 205. I don't know. But eventually, Pereira's going to lose. Like, he's going to lose to somebody. Whether it's Hamzat or like Whitaker is an interesting stylistic matchup for him. I mean, Izzy could just kind of hang out, and if like they book Whitaker Pereira, which I think they would do, if Pereira wins on Saturday, they'll probably go back to that well, and if Whitaker wins, Izzy's got a path back to the belt. So that's a po- that's a possibility. So it's it's not like dire if he loses. Because if you look at things from stylistic perspectives, Whitaker is a problem for pretty much everybody at 185 outside of Adesanya. So that's there. Um, there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of questions with that one. And I don't remember them all. God darn it. Gosh darn it. <laughs> I know you said nice things and I appreciate that. Oh, Poirier Gaethje. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. It all depends on what happens at 288. I mean, you've heard, if, if you listen to the show all the time, you know how I feel about the lightweight division right now. If Benny Dariush beats Charles Oliveira, Benny's going to go fight Isalmokchev. If Charles Oliveira beats Benny Dariush, we are living in a world my friends where it is very possible that Dustin Poirier fights for the belt. So kind of up in the air. I think that fight is going to determine a lot. But if Benny Dereyush wins and the world is in the place it should have been a long time ago and Benny goes and fights for the belt then we do Poirier versus Gaethje. Could it headline of of course it would headline a fight night. It's a great co-main event or featured bout for a massive pay-per-view. And look, if the UFC wants to do five rounds for that fight, even on a pay-per-view, they can just do it. I mean, we we watched uh, RDA and Hanato Moikano fight for five rounds. They can just do it if they want to. It's, it's possible. So, but I want to see that fight. I think both guys are interested in it, but. Poirier wants to get to that belt, and the clock is ticking. And after that Chandler fight, he's in a position where he could possibly get it. And if Oliveira beats Dariush, I don't think they're going to give Oliveira that fight again—not just yet. And who else are going to put up there? Poirier would be an interesting name. Probably his last chance at a, at a title shot. And he's a draw. People like Dustin. He's over like Rover. The Connor wins put him in a, in a star position. So I think a lot a lot will be determined on May sixth when uh Darius fights oliveira Viking hello
7: good I just want to ask about the israel Addison. yeah he just stated that it it's his last chance to beat Perheira Then, but uh, I just wanna, I just wanna know if he loses, where will he go after the loss, and what are his chances to fight for the title again if he loses? Thanks a lot.
3: Um, I mean, I just talked about this, but uh, I mean, he's like I said, it, it would suck, and it would be a tough loss, and. Be a, be in it. He'd be in a in a in a pretty rough spot. But again, Pereira is Pereira is very good. Seems I think Izzy's the better fighter. I mean, we, we've seen it. If you watched all the kickboxing matches and you watch the MMA fight, Izzy's the better fighter. He's the better MMA fighter. But when you fight a guy like Alex Pereira, you cannot let him hang around. You can't. You cannot let him hang around too much. Too long. is a monster, man. Like, you cannot have a you cannot have a range kickboxing match with this guy for 25 minutes. Or you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. And you're going to get knocked out. But I'm very curious to see what Adesanya's game plan is going to be. Because I, I was... What he did in the first eight minutes of that fight at 281, if he does that, He's got a very good chance to win this fight. He's aggressive and he's the hammer and he gets in Pereira's face. I'm not saying like be reckless and go all Cody Garbrand on him. But you got to be more aggressive. You cannot have a range kickboxing match with this guy for 25 minutes. And when he got aggressive and he became the hammer, he hurt Pereira, almost got him out of there. And then he just kind of took his foot off the gas from there. So... Yeah, will he fight Pereira again for the title? Not anytime soon. Will he be out of the title hunt altogether? No, because if Pereira fights Whitaker and Whitaker wins, and Adesanya got two wins over Whitaker already, they'll just run that one back a third time, and Adesanya will get his shot. Jay Stat, hello. You too. I have him winning inside of three rounds. I think he's going to get it done much quicker with uh, Adesanya being the aggressor. I could, I could be wrong, but I think he's going to surprise uh, us by getting Izzy
4: out of there even earlier. So that's, that, that's my thoughts.
3: It's possible. It's, it is possible when you have Pereira in there, all he needs is one. But it's it's possible. Again, I'm not suggesting that I was needs to go in there like he's the Simpsons and just start walking towards him, throwing windmills at him. No, just got to be a little more aggressive and do what you did early in that first fight, and have to kind of continue that. It's almost like a like a Rocky Three strategy: in and out, moving, power shots, and just unload the clip on him and try to get him out of there, but in a smart way. But he's got to be the aggressor. He's got to be. He's got to be the hammer. Let's go to William. Hey, what's up, man? Question. I don't know if you spoke about this before or earlier, but um, what do you think about the Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvila? Do you see any of them two deserving the title shot after each uh, each other's win, or do you think Kobe Covington still deserves that? I mean, deserves is such a strange word because there's only one guy in this division that technically deserves it, and it's Bilal Muhammad, if we're if we're working from a meritocratic place. Um but this isn't a meritocratic organization, and this is in because of that, this is the reason why they have merged with WWE and are now valued at twelve billion dollars. <laughs> Cause they put on Fights with names that people are going to be like, hmm, do I want to spend 80 bucks to watch this guy fight? Sure, I'll spend 80 bucks to watch this guy fight. So they have done a great job with that and put themselves in this position. Colby's there right now. I didn't, again, I'm not surprised by any of this and neither should you be. But the whole, the issue I had with him naming Colby as the number one contender at the moment that he did was because of this fight was because of this fight between Burns and Mazadol. This fight's happening and it's when it was booked we all we all knew what it was. Leon's the champion. If Leon retains and Mazadol wins, we're going to pay off this three-piece in soda storyline. You see storylines. UFC has been doing this for a long time. This is where we're at right now. They have had a storyline built up for years with Mazadol and Leon three-piece in a soda in London, all of that. Now you have an opportunity to pay that off if Mazdal can somehow beat Gilbert Burns. And based on the betting odds, not a lot of people are giving him much of a chance. I, however, am giving Mazidal much more of a chance than the betting odds are suggesting. I'm not I am not on here right now saying that Mazdal is going to beat Gilbert Burns. I don't have that kind of confidence in myself. But... If you're giving me Jorge Mazadol in this fight at plus 380 against Gilbert Burns, there's value up the wazoo with that number. Gilbert Burns is tremendous on the ground. I mean, he, there's no doubt about it. He is, he's a G down there. But Gilbert Burns is not Colby. He's not Colby. He's not going to sit there and just shoot 20 takedowns at Mazadol. At least I don't think he's going to. That's just not what Gilbert does. He's not a chain wrestler. And Mazdal has, as you saw in the Colby fight, struggles with guys who just shoot singles and doubles and tries to wrestle him. When it comes to actual defensive grappling on the ground and against the fence, Mazdal's pretty good. He's pretty good there. Kind of criminally underrated, if we're being honest. Go watch Mazdal. Go watch a Damian Maya fight. Go watch a Damian Maya fight. I know Damian wasn't in his athletic peak in prime at that time. But Masvidal did a pretty damn good job of keeping Maya off him and putting and and sustaining really tough spots. His defensive jujitsu grappling is really good and doesn't get enough credit. We can't confuse jujitsu grappling with wrestling grappling. There's two; they're two different things. There are similarities, but Gilbert's not a chain takedown kind of a guy. Burns gets you down in different ways. Uses his striking. Trips, gets inside, does different things. He might find a single and a double and get you down, but he's not going to sit there and just go, "Well, if the single doesn't work, I'll shoot a double, and if that doesn't work, I'll go back to the single." He's not Bryce Mitchell. He's not going to. He's not going to fight like that. That's not his style. And if Mazidall gets to the mat, he's pretty good at defending that stuff down there. He's pretty good, better than people give him credit for. And if Mazzalow can keep this standing. He's got a really good chance to win this fight, because he's a better striker. Burns is good. His, his striking's gotten a lot better, but he ain't Mazzador. He's not. So I think this is going to be a competitive fight. Um, I think Burns will win, but I don't think this, I don't think Burns is just going to dump truck Mozilla like a lot of people think he's going to. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think this is a closer fight. Masvidal at home, I mean, everything's on the line here. I mean, this is this is it. This is do or die for Mazadal. I know he's a big star, and there's still fights for him. He's actually teasing retirement and things like that if he loses. That's kind of scary to think about, honestly. But he seems in a good place in a lot of ways. And, like, what's the point of this fight if there's no stakes to it? I don't know. I think if Monzo goes out there and he knocks out Gilbert Burns and he goes on the mic and just fires off a promo and a half. I think the UFC has a chance to reconsider this. And what's the and how why is that a bad thing? Because now you got heat on Bilal and Colby. Like nobody cared about that fight at all a year ago. But after the whole, you know, media tour and Colby saying what he had to say about John Anik and the way that. Bilal has picked up the ball and kind of run with it. Like there is, there is interest in Bilal versus Colby right now. So if Mazdal just blows the doors off Gilbert Burns, cuts a promo, he's going to look like a million dollars in that moment. Cause he's going to be in the, in Miami. People are going to go bananas for him. And he cuts a great promo. You do Mazdal, Leon, Colby and Bilal on the same card. Like that is, I mean, that's a win-win, but just a, slam the door on that idea before that fight even happens. Like you took, you're taking the luster off the fight. You're taking the luster off the fight, or you're just saying like, Mazdal ain't going to win. So, and we're not giving Gilbert a title shot. So it's Colby. Look, if Gilbert wins, he ain't getting a title shot. If Gilbert goes out there and finishes Mazadal in 90 seconds, he's not getting a title shot. Colby's getting it. But if Mazdal wins, and then he looks like a star afterwards... That's interesting. That's interesting. Or maybe the UFC thinks the bigger storyline is Mazadol and Colby. Maybe they think Colby's just going to beat Leon and then we could do Colby and Mazdal for the title with everything that has happened. I don't know. It's not the announcement that made, like I, like I said on the show, a lot prior to 286, don't be surprised if Leon wins, if Colby's in the discussion, if Colby gets the shot. I just didn't think it would happen this quickly. Before this fight. I I don't know. But does either deserve? I mean, depends on your definition of deserves. Uh, Let's go to Zeke, and then I got to get out of here. Zeke, hello. Zeke, hello my man mike how are are we i
10: thought i had the spinning wheel of death but now we're back um all right i kind of want to add on to what we just talked about and maybe you know get an opinion from the man mike himself about uh i think it's the co co main i guess we could say the uh the runner-up on the card but uh first things first i'm in the boat i'm so sorry to do this to you i'm sure you have heard this multiple times this week of I think Gilbert Burns is just going to run him over because what has Jorge been doing? Has Jorge really been training, taking training seriously, cardio in the gym? You know what I mean? He's been promoting fights a lot. He hasn't – I don't know. I feel like a, a, a it half in, half out Jorge Masvidal is not a good Jorge Masvidal. And secondly, is this Bantamweight fight Saturday – Gonna be how do I explain it? I feel like it's the winner is gonna be a, like a glorified gatekeeper almost, unless Adrian Yanez just blows the doors off of Rob Font and makes it looks like made made it look like Cheeto Vera did. Um, I guess yeah. What, what are your opinions on that uh, that bantamweight brawl Saturday?
3: Love the fight. Um, it's just gonna be a great fight. I do think I do agree with you. If Yanez wins, I think they are gonna. Push him. I mean, they obviously like him to give him this fight on a pay per view main card. And look, it's a great freaking fight. It's a great freaking fight. We looked at the betting lines earlier. Um, it just seemed kind of wide to me. Yeah, Yana's minus 180, font plus 155. It should be a little closer than that, in my opinion. Fonts fought everybody. I mean, this dude has fought fucking everybody. And Giannis hasn't. And Giannis is really good. Like, they got something with him. There's no doubt about it. But we already compared resumes, and it ain't even close. Like, it ain't even close. (laughs) Rob Font, Lineker, Schnell, Douglas Silva de Andrade, Pedro Munoz, Thomas Almeida, Jafiela Sunsau, Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simone, Marlon Marias, Cody Garbrandt, Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera. That's his last five years. It's insane. It's an insane run. Adrian Yanez in the UFC. Victor Rodriguez, Gustavo Lopez, Randy Costa. None of those guys are in the UFC. Davey Grant, good test. That was a close fight. And he beat Tony Kelly. I'm not sure if Tony's in the UFC or not anymore. I mean, the the resumes, you have to put experience in play here. And Yanez is good. I mean, look, this kid is incredible. And he could go out there and beat Rob Font and then he's off to the races. But I think this fight's really close. I think, it's a really, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I do. I think it's a 50-50 fight. Font hasn't been in there in a minute. Almost a year. His team, very smart. They're very calculated when it comes to that stuff. You go out there and you take a beating. Tyson, Chartier, and crew, you ain't, you ain't rushing back. You are going to take your time. You are going to get tested. You're going to get your brain looked at. You're going to make sure your head is straight before you're even close to coming back. They did it with Calvin Cater after the Max Holloway fight. He was out for a long, almost a year before the Giga fight. Font out almost a year heading into this fight. That's how they do it. Will Font wrestle? That's the big question I have. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and spam takedowns, but will he wrestle? Will he shoot takedowns on Adrian Yanez? Will he mix the martial arts? I think Font can win a boxing match with Adrian. I think he can. And I think Adrian can beat Font in a boxing match. It depends on who, what guy shows up. I'm just curious if Yanez lands that clean right hand or lands a big shot, can Font handle it? Can that chin handle it? I don't think Giannis will get him out of there, but those are the moments that have cost Rob in these last two fights. Again, if you want to, if you want an idea of like what MMA judging is in 2022, 2023, the Aldo fight and the Cheeto fight are like the two best examples. It's like the two best examples you can look at. Go to UFC stats. This it's always so fascinating to look at UFC stats with Rob Font fights. It's incredible. Especially those last two. Especially those last two fights. Jose Aldo. Rob Font outlanded Jose Aldo 36 to 26 in round one, 48-23 in round two, 37 to 12 in round three. It was even in round four because of the takedowns and fought outlanding them 18 to 15 in round five. But Aldo got the knockdowns when they counted. The Cheeto fight is even more insane. Rob Font outlands Marlon Vera. 57-26 significant strikes in round one. 51-27 in round two. 71-37 in round three. 42-36 in round four. 50-33 in round five. Rob Font ouched Landed more significant strikes in every single round against Cheeto Vera. Doubled them up twice and still lost because he got knocked down a bunch. Like, those are the quintessential fights to watch if you want to learn how to judge. At least today. Because Font just, I mean, volumed his ass up. But Vera had three knockdowns, and so that's why he won the fight. It's crazy. I cannot wait to see that fight. Super interested, super fascinating. I think it's a 50-50 fight. I think there's value on Rob. Not picking him, but I think there's value there for sure.
8: Edward, hello. Hey, Mike. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, to continue the conversation on Rob Font, um, do you think that like do- those were wars against Aldo and Marlon Vera. Do you think that like his chin will be a little bit like less, not as strong?
3: Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's not like he's been in a million wars. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't take a lot of damage in the Garbrandt fight. He didn't take a lot of damage in the Simone fight. Pettis, not really. Sunso, not really. I mean, the the John Lineker fight was pretty wild. But it's not like like, he's had two tough fights back-to-back, but it's not like he's had... A dozen of them. You know what I mean? And plus, Aldo and Farah just hit – they hit really, really hard. So, I don't know. I'm not concerned about the chin. I just think he fought two guys who hit really, really hard, and now Giannis is another guy who hits really, really hard. So, I don't know. I guess I do have some questions, like – with can font stay upright i don't think yana's is going to like knock font out unconscious or it's going to be like a scary ko or anything like that but similar to those fights like rob you know yana's knocked rob down i mean and i'm curious to see if yana's can match fonts volume too like it's just there's so many questions and if i wonder if fonts actually to shoot takedowns in this fight i really i'm wondering if he's going to shoot takedowns in this fight But I love it. And I love this community. And I love the fact that we got so many questions about that fight. Obviously, we have a big main event, a co-main event that's very interesting. The stakes could be very high in that one. But the vast majority of people are asking about Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez. And that's why I love hosting the show. And now i got to get out of here. It has been uh, – it's – I've been teasing working on a project – I kind of let you know what it was already. Um, The first draft is in on all of it. So basically I'm doing a deep dive into the just horrible Fury FC submission where the referee watched an unconscious fighter stay unconscious and then wake up in an arm bar and tap. So... Uh, I've been working on that for a while. The podcast uh, is pretty much done. Uh, There's like some fine tuning I got to do from a legal perspective. Uh, The write ups first draft is done. So the plan is if all goes well, uh, we're going to drop all that on on Thursday. Uh, But I got to talk to both fighters involved, talk to the promoter, talk to Alex Morono, who did commentary. even talked to Big John McCarthy about it which was uh which is super fascinating I might just release the big John interview by itself at some point just so you could hear it it was uh, really interesting to hear from Big John and get his perspective on everything because this is the OG of refs and he's trained a bunch of these guys and you know just hearing his perspective on things and yeah it's, it's a pretty wild story and there's a million different ways I could have gone with this but I, I think I found like the right layout. And, and how we want to do it so plan is on thursday we knock this shit out and you guys get to hear it and read it and it's just it's tough man it's uh it's a tough thing to sport. but uh that's for thursday and we'll be back on the show thursday as well 10 a.m eastern we'll do it again friday kind of up in the air because we have the weigh-ins and casey's on vacation through the weekend. So I might have to produce the weigh-in show and possibly co-host it, all that stuff. So we'll let you know about Friday, but we'll certainly do something on Thursday. Thank you very much. Back at it then. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.